0: a hand, you got out of bed this morning. Come on, you deserve a round of applause for getting out of bed. We celebrate that because we know that there are some days you just want to stay in bed. And uh, so, good job doing that this morning. This morning, I'm super excited because today is day 22 of 21 Days of Prayer. That's right, you heard it right. Day 22 of 21 Days of Prayer. We are coming out of 21 Days of Prayer. It's a season. Where we set aside 21 days to seek God through praying and fasting, and um, guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm really glad that's over. Uh, I'm really glad that that's over. It's a it's a it's a great season. It's a it's an amazing season to watch God move in ways that uh, we that He always moves. To be honest, it's just like I said a couple of weeks ago. Our our antennas go up a little bit. Our feelers are out because we've uh, kind of gone without so, so that, that we could see God more clearly. And that's, that's what fasting is. And uh, it's, it's, it's good. It is, it is good. So today is day 22. One of the things that we say is we are looking for 22-day people. That is, people that will seek after God beyond 21 days of prayer. And so our encouragement to you this morning is that you continue 21 days of prayer. The attitude that you had during 21 days of prayer... Throughout the entire year, and you're going to have the best year of your life. I promise. I promise. Take take the challenge. Like the challenge is to see God every day of the year and watch it be the best year of your life. I, I, I promise you. So um, today is day 22. I am so I'm so thankful for day 22 because, like I said, I'm glad that's over. I enjoyed it. It was a, it was great, but we can move on. So that's 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 what I'll say about that. We are in um, a series. That we are calling Uphill Habits um, over the last three weeks. Um, and uh, we're going to do a recap of those, those weeks so that you can uh, listen for the things that we've talked about. And then all of our talks are available on uh, refugemain.church forward slash messages or on the iTunes uh, podcast app. You can just Google search my name, Adam Harold. Um, that's the easiest way to find it. You can look up Refuge Church Maine. Uh, but it's a little bit harder. I don't understand it. But uh, just Google Adam, or Ar- put in Ad- iTunes Adam Harold, and uh, you'll find it. But uphill habits. One of the things that we've been saying is that we all have uh, we all have high hopes for 2020. We, in fact, our high hopes go beyond 2020 and go uh, for the the next decade. We have we have high hopes for the decade. We want good things to happen to us. But the problem is, is that to accomplish the high hopes that we have, it requires uphill habits. But but the issue we've been saying is that we have downhill habits instead. And so we're challenging, our challenge This for this series has been to create uphill habits to accomplish the uphill hopes that we have in our lives. But they habits for, we call them habits for a reason, right? Because they're hard and they require discipline. So um, this guy named Frank Outlaw said this. He said, watch your thoughts for they become words. Watch your words for they become actions. And watch your actions for they become habits. Watch your habits for they become character. Watch your character because your character becomes your destiny. So that's why habits are important. Your habits form who you are. And so that's why we've talked for the last three weeks, week one, we talked about the habit of focusing on what I do first. What you do first matters. That's why we take the first part of the year to seek after God, because what we do first matters. Where we put our attention to first matters. And so we talked during that week about putting God first, and when we put God first, our lives are changed. Week two, we talked about controlling my thoughts. The habit of controlling my thoughts, because everything begins with a thought. You don't just wake up one morning and say, I think I'm going to go cheat on my wife today. It was a thought before that. And our thoughts uh, will determine our actions. Everything begins with a thought. Week three, we talked about Aligning myself with my purpose, when I can align myself with my purpose, the reason I was created, it fixes a lot of junk in my life. If I just go back to that question, why was I created? What is my purpose in life? And I can make decisions based on my purpose. Then everything gets in alignment, just like going to the chiropractor we said. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is the message, is, is the, the verse that we've been looking at from the message translation. And it says this: it says, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the primary habit that we want to focus on. Hopefully, you're here this morning because you. You may not know how you feel about God this morning, and that's okay. We're, we're like we want to be a church of people that don't know how they feel about God because we want to show them who God really is, and so that they can understand who God is, and so that they can know how they feel about Him. If that makes sense. And so, if we're going to do that, we're going to have to fix our attention on God, and that's the primary habit over all of them. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out if you do that, he says. Readily recognize what he wants for you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to the level of immaturity. I hate how culture often drags us down. It drags us down. But God won't do that. He goes on, God brings... The best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. And ladies and gentlemen, that's our desire for everyone that's in this room. Our desire today, I tell our team all the time, our desire is to move everyone one step closer to Jesus today. For some of you, that may may be that that you just are going to pray today for the first time in your life. For some of you, That may be that you're going to commit to coming to church more regularly. For some of you, that means tomorrow morning you're going to get up and you're going to read your Bible. Tuesday morning, you're going to get up and you're going to read your Bible. Wednesday morning, you're going to get up and you're going to read your Bible. And it's going to become a discipline inside of you because you're going to seek God every day of your life. For some of you, one step closer to Jesus is different than the other. But my goal today is that we would all move one step closer to him. That we would all... Train ourselves to perform habits that will help us fix our attention on him. That's what we want this morning. So I invite you to come along with this journey with me. To I want you to participate. I want you to feel free to laugh. I want you to feel free, free to cry. For some reason, uh, if you get a little emotional, don't worry. That's normal. It's, it's weird. I'm an emotional guy, so maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Um, there's a bet right now about how many times I will cry during this sermon, I'm sure happens every week like like it's okay to be, get emotional it's okay to feel like, like we want to uh, ask you to come along the journey with us because we're all in it together you want to know what habit number four is? this is the final habit, the finale, the grand finale of them all and I've saved one of the best for last, the habit is choose my relationships carefully choose my relationships carefully. This habit has formed every single one of us more than any other other habit that we have in our life. It has formed us because the people in our lives have created who you are today. Now, you've had a lot to say about that, which is why some of the relationships in our lives we're stuck with. We didn't choose some of the relationships in our lives. But other relationships we have chosen, but all of the relationships have formed us. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about choosing the relationships that you choose, because again, some relationships you're stuck with, and we'll talk a little bit about those. But the ones that you can choose, choose carefully. Relationships impact our lives. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. So this morning, I want to start by giving you four verbs. Four verbs that will help you, hopefully, to choose your relationships carefully. Verb number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. You can even get out your cell phone and... uh, Get out the, no, the notes portion and just type type away. We do not judge you for being on your phone in church. Come on, somebody. Like, now, if you're fact-checking me, that's a different story. We'll talk later. Because you have some trust issues there we gotta get we got to deal with. Um, but you can write these down on the back of your worship guide. Um, or follow along in the YouVersion Bible app on your cell phone. We actually put all of our notes available for you on your screen. Uh, cell phone, it's an app called the Version Bible app. If you don't have it, um, I would highly recommend you download that. It is an app that changed my life. My friend Craig Rochelle at Life Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, has developed that app and it is amazing. Verb number one is the word nurture. Nurture. Nurture my important relationships. Nurture... My important relationships. Relationships take hard work, ladies and gents. They take hard, hard work. Which is why next week we're beginning a relationship series. So this is kind of an intro to that relationship series. Uh, February is uh, often referred to as the love month. I don't know, because maybe Hallmark is Valentine's Day on it, Uh, and we celebrate Valentine's Day. We celebrate love all month, so we're going to talk about relationships next week. I'm not 100% sure what we're going to call it, Uh, but uh, I figured if if I'm going to have a relationship series, I might as well uh, put my wife up here with me, so uh, my wife will be joining me on stage within the next uh, four weeks, so... I'm saying that out loud so she's stuck doing it in front of you. All right, I've, I've kind of backed her into a corner, so uh, she has to do that now. Um, but next week we're beginning a series on relationships because relationships take hard work. They do. Um, listen, Tanya's pretty perfect, ladies and gentlemen. My wife is is darn near close to perfect, and even she requires a lot of work. All right, like like. It is work to be married to her. I can't speak for what it takes to be married to me because I'm not married to me, but that's why I'm allowing her to speak during that next relationship series so she can tell you how much work I am to be married to. But marriage takes hard work. Relationships require a lot of it. I have good news this morning, though. The good news is that the divorce rate in America is actually down. That's good news, right? the marriage rate is also down. Right? That's not good news. People aren't getting married. People aren't getting married anymore because they know that marriage requires work. And so they just say, you know what, I'd rather avoid all the work altogether. So they're not. So people aren't getting married anymore. A lot of people think that When hard times come in their relationship with their spouse, significant other, that the grass is greener on the other side. Well, you know what? The grass is going to be greener over there. No, 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 no. My neighbor across the street has an immaculate yard. I am envious of how green his grass gets in the summertime. It is so stinking green. Like, I'm like, man, his grass is so green you know what I also notice? Him outside on his tractor 24-7 during the warmer months. He is out there all the time. And he is putting in work to make that grass green. And guess what? My grass isn't green because I'm not going to be on my tractor all day long. Because it requires work to make your grass green. Fellas, some of you need to put in more work to make the grass green at home. Ladies. Some of you need to put in work to make the grass greener at home. I've learned something since starting a church, and I've I've learned these three letters. The finance world knows them very well. They're the letters ROI, return on investment. And the, the principle really applies to money. But ladies and gentlemen, it is a a principle that applies to everything in life. You will only get out of your marriage what you put into your marriage, guys. You You will only get out of your marriage what you put into it, ladies. If you want your man to be a certain way, then put in the work that it requires to do it. And he'll do anything for you if you do that. I promise. Put in the work. That it requires to nurture the relationships that are meaningful to you. Water the grass where you want it to grow. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7 through 8 says, The end of the world is coming, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love carries the multiple of sins. So fellas, I got good news for you. When you come home with the flowers because... You want to put in work to, to your marriage, and she goes to you, what's wrong? What did you do? And you say, honey, I just, I'm just i just putting in work. The pastor said this morning, I need to water the grass where I want it to grow. I need to water the grass where I want it to be greener. So I'm just putting in work. But I got really good news for you. The Bible is true when it says love covers a multitude of sins. So some of you may need to go buy some flowers because you messed up. Go do it, all right? Go do it. Go do it. Go do it. Put in work where you want your relationships to grow. Verb number two, the word is restore. Restore. Restore broken relationships. Think about it for a second. Some of you may think, Pastor Adam, if I were to restore and I were to fix relationships that are broken in my life, It's going to cause an enormous amount of pain to do that work and to to talk to that person that hurt me. It's going to be so painful to do that. I don't know if I can. Would you rather live the rest of your life without the relationship that was once important to you? Because I have a feeling that that's probably more painful than actually doing the work that it requires to mend the relationship. Which one would you rather have? A broken relationship forever? a relationship that you put in the work to restore it, to forgive when you need it to. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with one another. One of my favorite things to teach Is forgiveness, not because I'm good at it, but because I believe that forgiveness is, um, it's a beautiful picture of of Jesus and his relationship with me. Um, Also, because I also need a lot of forgiveness. Come on, somebody. I, I mess up a lot. But one of the things that Jesus taught, when he taught us how to pray, was how to forgive. Many of you know the, the Lord's Prayer? Prayer because maybe you went to CCD and you were trained the Lord's Prayer. Many of you, I, I know the Lord's Prayer because I played high school football. And every, and, and I, I, listen, I, I grew up in the Bible Belt. So um, most most of my teens, before we would go out on the gridiron, we would say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our day, this day our daily bread, bread and forgive our, forgive, our forgive, our forgive, our forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory yesterday we wrapped up our 21 days of prayer and we did it um, by a, through a, a prayer model where we prayed the Lord's Prayer together but we we did it by taking by by chunking it up into sections and we first addressed God in our relationship with him Jesus said our father who art in heaven so we we first prayed about our relationship with God and then we, 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 we went on and um, that prayer is available in our pray first guides in our prayer guides that we gave out all 21 days they're available at the next steps um, I believe our guest central also had those guest central is the the part to the the station on your left as you exit the building out in the commons area so if you get one of those prayer guides you can you can follow along with the lord's prayer tomorrow morning as you pray to god and it's, it's a beautiful picture but I love the part where Jesus takes the, um, the part and he says, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. What Jesus is saying there is God forgive me according to how I forgive other people. Now, I don't know about you, but if God only forgave me according to how I forgive other people, I'm in big trouble. Come on, somebody. Anybody with me? Because it is hard to forgive. It is hard to forgive. So here's what I believe. I believe that the reason why Jesus took forgiveness and put it into his prayer with his disciples when he taught them how to pray daily, this was designed to be our daily prayer. And the reason why he put forgiveness in there is because forgiveness is a daily choice. And I have to get up tomorrow morning and I have to choose that I will forgive others that hurt me that day. It it begins before the offense takes place. That's when forgiveness takes place. Pastor Adam, are you crazy? How are you able to forgive people that you don't know what they're going to do to hurt you? That's exactly right. I have to forgive them before they hurt me. Because I don't know what they're going to do to hurt me. Pastor, Adam, how can you do that? The definition of forgiveness is why I can do that. And I was taught this a couple years ago. The pastor that I had at the time, his name was Sean Sears. And I'll never forget the definition for forgiveness. I've taught this before. Forgiveness is giving up my right that I have to pay someone else back. Let me say it again because I want you to write it down. Forgiveness is giving up my right to pay someone else back. You see, when someone hurts you, we've all heard the saying, an eye for an eye. But the Bible says to turn the other cheek. And our human nature is to trade an eye for an eye, meaning our human nature is to hurt someone that hurts us. But when I forgive, the Bible's definition of forgiveness is to turn the other cheek, meaning that you don't, give them an, you, you don't trade an eye for an eye. You give up your right to pay that person back. You see, some of us think that forgiveness means that we have to forget what, we, what was done to us. That's not true. That's good news. Just because, like, like if someone's going to hurt my kids... And I hate to use such an awful example, but if someone hurts children in an abusive way, sexually or physically or whatever, guess what? We're not going to let them hang out with our kids during church. And it's not because we don't forgive them. And it's not because because what happens is we think that we have to forget what they've done. Ladies and gentlemen, the good news and the best news that I have for you today is that's the way God forgives us. When we sin against him, he forgets it. But we don't. Now, we're not going to pay you back for it. And that's what forgiveness is. Maybe some of you have some people on your list. Some broken relationships that you need to call after church. And they hurt you, they hurt you bad. But you just need to say, I'm, I'm going to do what I can to fix that broken relationship. Because I'm, I'm not going to pay them back. I'm, I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to reach out to them. I'm going to stop waiting for them to reach out to me. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive Anyone who offends you, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The reason we need God's forgiveness in our lives, guys, is so that we can share it with other people. So that we can share it with other people. Verb number three is the word sever. The word sever. And this is sever any harmful relationships. Sever... Any harmful relationships, or in the very least, redefine those relationships. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with with fools and get in trouble. We want you to walk with the wise. God wants you to walk with the wise. So, now, harmful relationships, I realize that there's a a vast um, explanation for what harmful could mean. That that could that could mean abusive, and I'm, I want you to know if you're in an abusive relationship, you need to talk to somebody. You, you need to talk to somebody, and you need you, you might need to sever that relationship because it's harmful, like like completely. But talk to somebody, get it healthy again, so that so that. It, I want to talk to husbands and wives for a moment. Because I don't believe that that divorce is ever the answer. I believe that God wants to restore broken relationships. The Bible says that God hates divorce. And I want you to know that in some situations, like when, when you're in a harmful... That's why you have to talk to somebody if you're being abused. But when it comes to severing those relationships, those harmful relationships... I'm talking about the girl at work that you flirt with tomorrow morning that you can't wait to get to, that you're going to flirt with because she's attractive, that's going to ruin your marriage. Stop it. Cut it off. The the relationships that that are going to cause you to sin, cause you to do things that you shouldn't do, get rid of them. You know who bad influences are. I don't have to explain that to you. Walk with the wise and become wise. Walk with the foolish and get in trouble. The truth is that Satan will do anything he can to steal from you. The Bible calls him a thief. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life to the foolish. And Satan will steal from your marriage by using a heartful relationship. Cut it off. Final, final verb number four is initiate. I'm not done yet, so no, nobody I'm come not out not on stage like, like they did last week. <laughs> verb number four is initiate some meaningful relationships. Initiate some meaningful relationships. Hebrew chapter 10 verse 25 says... And let, let's not, let us not neglect our our meeting together for some people, but encourage one another, especially now that the day has returned, is drawing near. Initiate relationships that are going to be meaningful. Now, I want to, I want to explain this because uh, my wife and I listen to a morning show on the radio that we absolutely love as we take our kids to school every day, and, um, they said last week that, uh, or two weeks ago, that psycho- psychology today came out with a study that says talking with strangers is actually good for you, and um, and so I want to I want to make very clear that I'm talking about initiate meaningful relationships. Now, some of those strangers can develop into meaningful relationships. One of the girls on the show, so they took the challenge to talk to strangers for that week, and one of the people on the show actually met someone that was. They were like, this. This could develop into a meaningful relationship. I understand that talking to strangers makes people in New England want to vomit. Like, I get it. I, I married a girl from New England, and the first time I talked to her, her face turned green. Like, it was crazy. Like, she's like, "Why are you talking to me?" Talking to talking to other people that you don't have to is is kind of makes you a little queasy. I get it, but. You need to initiate some relationships that you know are going to be meaningful. That's why we do small groups. Because everyone needs someone that they can tell their secrets to. You're only as sick as your secrets are. We need people that are going to be meaningful. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't do any I don't ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do. So, I'm a part of a small group. That is led by my pastor. There's about 18 guys that belong to this small group. That we we actually have a call together next week. So that we can talk together face to face over the computer. And then in May we have a trip planned where we can gather together. Because I need to be in a small group too. And then I'll come to some of your small groups. And be involved a little bit. Because we need to do life together. We need each other. You need other people in your life. So now the question is, how do you know that a relationship is meaningful? How do you know that the relationship is meaningful? I've got four meaningful relationships to develop, and then I'm done, okay? Number one, develop a relationship with my church. Develop a relationship with my church. Everybody needs to belong to a church. I realize that organized religion has a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I get that. I'm not talking about organized religion. I'm talking about a life-giving church that's going to give you the tools to succeed in life. That's what we try to do. Belong to a church that you can say, that's my church. And be proud of it. Don't hide, hey, I can't hang out on Sunday morning. Well, why not? Because I'm going to church. Like, Don't hide it. Be like, I get to go to my church. Be proud of it. Everybody needs to belong to a church. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. We are members of God's family. We get to be a part of something. Everyone needs to be a part of their church. And I understand the thought that the church is every church. I believe in the big church. I believe in the big C church, we call it. But everyone needs your personal church. The local church that you belong to. Where the pastor knows your name. Like, like stop listening to Stephen Furtick on the computer because he doesn't know who you are. You need a pastor that knows you by name and that knows what's going on in your life. You need to be a part of something. I was thinking about this week and and I was thinking about people that say, well, I can go to church anywhere as as, you know, I can, I can, as long as I go, I, I can go to this church for a little while and this church for a little while and this church for a little while. And then I started thinking about church in the context of my marriage. And I thought, you know, just because I'm called a husband doesn't mean I'm every wife's husband. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're every church's Christian. I have a wife and her name is Tanya. You need a church and it needs to be called whatever its name is. I'm not saying that it has to be the refuge. That don't 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 miss don't mishear me. This isn't about being getting you convinced to come to the refuge. We would love to have you. And we will miss you when you're not here. But this isn't about our church. This isn't about the refuge. This is about you belonging somewhere. Everybody needs a place to belong. That's going to give life to you. So develop the relationship with your church. Number two is develop your relationship with godly friends. Develop your relationship with godly friends. Pastor Adam, how do I know that someone is godly? When you hang out with them and they make you more godly. That's how you know someone is godly. Get around people that are going to challenge you to make you more godly. Acts chapter 2 verse 44 says... And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. That was the early church. The early church got together all the time, as often as they could, to be with each other, to love each other, to encourage one another. You need friends that'll do that for you. Be a part of godly relationships. Which is why we do small groups. Uh, today, if you want to lead a small group, we have what's called um, free market small groups. Free market small groups are designed to where we will do any small group that anyone wants to do, as long as it's you know glorifies God and, and that sort of thing. Like we don't want certain small groups, but um, you can do a small group based on any interest that you have, and so we want people to. St- we want to give people the freedom to start their own small groups. So the only requirement that we have is that they go to our small group leader training. It just so happens that today we are having a small group leader training for anyone that wants to lead a small group. And those small groups will then kick off on February 9th. On February 9th, they'll last for 12 weeks. And people will gather together at, at whatever. If you, if, This is what's great about, about leading a group is you get to decide the day, you get to decide the time, you get to decide the location, you get to decide the topic. You get to, you get to choose what you do because you're the leader and because you've you wanted to do that. So all we ask is that you go to our leader training and, um, and participate in that. That'll be today. So um, the thing about groups, though, is that it doesn't matter what the group is about. It's not about the topics. That's why we do some groups that are study-based groups. We do some groups that are interest-based groups. It doesn't matter what we talk about in the groups. It's not about the topic. It's about the people. It's about getting you together with people that are going to be godly influences, that are going to encourage you, that are going to help you grow, and that are going to get to know you and going to be able to call you when you're sick. Be able to bring over a, a cup of chicken noodle soup when you're sick. Like someone that's going to care for you. Number three, develop relationships on a team. Develop relationships on a team. We all need to be a part of something that's bigger than we are. Besides, I don't know about you guys, but being on a team is fun. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? And so that's why we call our team our dream team. Not because, not, not for any other reason then they're working together for a goal that's bigger than them. You need to be on a team that's working towards a common goal. Everyone needs to do that because that's how you grow. When you work together to achieve a goal, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8 and 9 says this. This is the the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. So this is this is saying this is about a guy that's working all he can all by himself. But he's got a lot of stuff. He's got a lot. It goes on. But then he asked himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? What it's saying is he isn't having any fun all alone. Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is so meaningless and depressing. He was depressed. He had all this stuff, all this wealth, but he was all alone. Verse 9 says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. The Bible, the, 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 the chapter goes on to say that a three-strand rope is a lot stronger than a two-strand stroke. The more people that you, stroke? I caught it. Rope was what I was supposed to say. Fine, come on out. you're (laughs) good. Teamwork will make the dream work. Finally, the last one, number four. Develop your relationship with God. Develop your relationship with God. I want to wrap this up by asking you a question. question is, what will it take for you to go all in? What will it take for you to go all in with God? Now, I've never been much of a poker player. I I just, it's never really interested me. I couldn't tell you the difference between a full house and a royal flush. I don't know what they are. And no, I won't play poker with you at the church. Don't do it. I know you want to take my money, What will it take for you to go all in? You see, one of the things that I understand about poker is this the person that puts all of his chips in on the table is the one that gets the most return. In order to get the big return, or in order sometimes it's in order to stay in the game, you have to go all in. But when you go all in, you get you get a big return. Our God will not settle for being second best. He won't settle for just having bits and pieces of us. You see, he wants us to go all in with him, and he promises us the biggest return of our life. If we're willing just to go all in. You see, Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 says this, If you seek me wholeheartedly, you will find me. He wants us to go all in with his heart, with our heart, with all of our hearts. That we would go all in and wholeheartedly seek him. That's when we find him. And God will do whatever it takes for you to say, all right, God, I'm all in. Whatever it takes. I was thinking about this as I was praying about the service. And God gave me this. I believe it's from him. See, some of you are going through hard times right now. You're going through what seems is a crisis. And I was thinking about when I wanted to get Tanya's attention. I would I I was going to do anything to look like a fool to get her attention. Like, I was going to do anything I could to get her attention. God's the same way. He will do anything he can to get you to go all in. Even if it means allowing a crisis in your life to get your attention for him. But Adam... If he loves me and he wants my attention, why would he use a crisis to get my attention? And this is what God wanted me to tell you today. He said, because I'm the only one that is able to put the pieces of your heart back together. You see, God will allow a crisis in our lives to get us to turn to him and to go all into him and just to seek after him and to get everything to make sense of it all. And he promises he is able to put our heart back together. But he can't put a complete heart together, all together if it's only part of his heart, your heart that he has. You see, that's why we have to go all in. Because he can't put all the pieces back together if we only give him part of our heart. He has to have it all. And then when crisis comes and we turn to him, he is able to put it all back together. Stand if to your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Relationships matter. Our prayer team is going to come up to the front. My friend Dave is right here on my right. Laurie's on my left. And they're here to pray with you. If you are, seeking, if you are going through a crisis, I want you to know that there's no better place than to run with your crisis, than through prayer. They want to pray with you. Relationships matter. You see, the Bible teaches us that we all once had a relationship with God. We were all created to have a relationship with him. But we messed that up when we we did wrong. When sin entered the picture... And then we, we didn't have a relationship with him anymore. And so, not a, like we don't inherit a relationship with God. Until the Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He sent Jesus to rescue us and to give us a relationship with him again. And because Jesus died for our sins, we are able to give him our entire heart. And then when moments of crisis come, we are able to give it to him again and again and again. And he will always, always, always put it back together. It it, doesn't mean there won't be scars. There will be scars. But there'll be a purpose for those scars. How many of you are are here this morning and you would say, Pastor Adam, it's time that I give God my entire heart. All of it. Would you do that by just simply raising your hand in the air so that I can see it, so I can pray with you. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you in the back. Thank you on the side. Hands everywhere. If you you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's not the words that we say, but it's the heart in which we say them in. Say, God, the best way I know how, I give you my heart, all of it. I'm going all in today. I'm asking you to put it back together. Places where sin has caused it to be broken. Forgive me of my sin. And help me to share that forgiveness with others. Come into my life and save me and make me a new creation. So in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you give God a hand today? Come on, come on. Listen, I'm way late. I apologize for letting you out. I apologize for your lunch being cold. Put it in the microwave. It'll be okay, all right? Um, And and we're going to sing a song, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you so much for being here. I'd love to shake your hand on the way out. Thank you.